Hey, what's going on? This is GG Sports, and we're back again with another pod. Uh, this is going to be covering the Super Bowl. I know it's a little late for a Super Bowl recap. It's uh, already been more than a week since the game happened, but we're going to talk about it anyway um, and cover all the big news that happened um, in the offseason. Everything that we've been hearing from uh, all these quarterbacks, the big Matthew Stafford trade. Um, and so we're going to get into all of that. But first, uh, time for the big segment. Reese, what do you got for us today? Yeah, I got a, I got a little bit of a funky one. This one kind of just fell into my hands the other day, but it's called it's a brewery called Blanche Brux, Bruxelles or something. I don't know how to say that. It's a white Belgium. Not my normal thing. I don't know if you can see that uh, picture on it, though, but it's got like a little baby. It's like a little baby angel pissing, oh, nice. pissing on everything below it. So it's a perfect beer can for me when I saw that, you know. My grandma, whenever she, whenever uh, my dad's my dad's mom was from Holland, whenever there we go, whenever she would uh, taste something delicious, she would always say it's like an angel pissing on her tongue. So that's that's why I had to try this one. <laughs> that's funny. What do you have? Um, so I have the Sierra Nevada Wonderland that I think I had it last episode. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah the Wonderland. You liked that one last time. Yeah, yeah, I'm a fan. The Nectarine Ale. Um, yeah, so unfortunately, I don't have a new beer for this episode, but hey, as long as you're enjoying it, that's that's the purpose <laughs> of the beer segment. <laughs> yeah, how's your beer? Uh, it's pretty good. It's actually it's super light. This is a uh, a four point five percent. So let me give it another drink real quick. I'm trying to grab the flavors in it because it's uh it's like a white wheat beer and um god it's super super light um i feel like you can really like crush a lot of these but this is actually a really like i'm not normally into wheat beers i know you like your like blue moons and stuff like that but um this has got like a lot more like subtle of a taste and um it's pretty good actually i would probably get this again uh, depending on the price this particular one is like four dollars for a tall can which isn't too bad so Nice. Yeah, pretty good. Blanche Bruxelles. I don't know how to say it. I'm definitely saying it wrong, but. Ooh. Oh, I got to rate it. Huh? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I forgot. Um, gosh. This actually might be my first non-IPA that I've rated. Really? I don't know. I'm, I'm always buying IPAs, so I feel like it is. But yeah, um, you love your IPAs. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> this is a this is a pretty solid beer. I feel like I could uh, I can imagine just kind of this is just like a good solid go to if you just need something to sip on. You know, you're you're not really looking for anything too heavy. Because um, like I said, it's only four point five percent. I'm gonna give this. Uh, I'm give it like a seven one. I feel like it's got to go over the the solid average of a seven, but. Nothing incredible, you know. Seven, okay, solid. You don't have to rate yours again. <laughs> <laughs> I think I rated mine like seven something last time. So. I was going to say, I, I wish I, I should start pulling yours up in front of me. Create a little Excel spreadsheet of our beer ratings. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> nice. <laughs> All, right. All right, let's uh get to the game. So... Yeah. In the Super Bowl 55, we saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, take care of the Chiefs pretty easily, 31-9. to 
Um, and, you know, after putting up 21 uh, first half points, it just felt like uh, the Bucks just had this in control and they were never really under too much pressure um, in the second half. But yeah, Reese, like this was a really surprising uh, shutdown of the, of this, you know, prolific Chiefs offense. But um, what did you see? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, a lot of people were saying blowout going in, but definitely not in favor of the Buccaneers. I don't think I heard that one very often. Um, right. Credit to you for you know picking them to win and stuff like that. I I didn't I didn't believe in Tampa Bay going into this game. I didn't think that they could get it done, and I definitely didn't think that they were going to put on a performance like that. So um, all credit to a team that came into this game really hot and. Uh, played like they were playing and truthfully it shouldn't have, it probably shouldn't have been that much of a surprise you know with how they were how they came into this game um I think they what won like 11 straight or something like that going into I don't even really know how much it was but um yeah I mean all credit to Tampa Bay for just an absolute dominating performance um you were the one who had them as favorites and stuff like that did they do what you expected or was it like everything and more um so I definitely, when I picked them, I definitely, you know, thought it was going to be a closer game. You know, like you, know, like you said, we when we thought it was going to be a blowout, thought it was going to be the other way, you know, definitely not a Tampa Bay blowout. But, yeah, I mean, it just felt like they had a game plan um, and they really believed that they could shut down this Chiefs team uh, and they just executed to perfection. You know, the defense from the front seven uh, all the way to secondary, the linebackers, I feel like they all just were – in sync the entire game and just played an excellent game. Um, you know, uh, I think a lot of credit, rightfully so, has been given to their defensive line for rushing, uh, you know, Mahomes, giving him no time to throw the ball. But I I felt like even when he did have time to throw the ball, the secondary was, you know, shutting down the receivers. Like, he had nowhere to go, um, which is why you saw him scrambling so much. Because even when, like, you know, there wasn't a Tampa Bay uh, D lineman in his face, like, there was no to throw the ball. So just an all around, like excellent performance from his defense. Uh, Todd Bowles, you know, deserves all the credit in the world for uh, game planning them so perfectly and, and shutting down this defense or this offense who we thought was uh, impossible to do. Yeah. I, I think all year it was, and even going into the game, it was, uh, how are you going to stop Pat Mahomes? How are you going to stop this offense and all those weapons? And <clears throat> they pretty much just, went after the head of the attack and went straight after Pat Mahomes, which I think is probably the the smartest way of doing it. Um, I think coming into this game, the Chiefs were a little bit, I think you were the one who actually said it, that they were a little bit one-dimensional, you know, like the offense, I mean, everybody knew it, but it was just unstoppable. Um, and when it came down to it and they needed a little bit of a, the ground and pound and they needed the the short underneath passes. They just weren't an offense really built for that kind of thing. So um, I think this is a, I think this is a good thing for the chiefs moving forward there. This is a, a young team um, at the start of what we think that they could be moving forward uh, with Pat Mahomes at the helm and still a fantastic coach and Andy Reed and a good core around him. So I think uh potentially getting beat like that and getting forced to play a game that they're not used to uh, could be good moving forward um, for them and could, uh, you know, potentially uh, turn the chiefs into a dynasty that we don't really want to see. So. 
Yeah, um, you know, every team, I think, um, well, I should say that, like like you said, the one-dimensional thing, like, yeah, they don't really have much of a, a running game, you know? They're not really known for that. Um, <laughs> and so when, when it was time to run the ball, um, you know, and it also played in Tampa Bay's hand because they're a great uh, run defense. So um, I think the Chiefs just weren't ready. And I also kind of feel like, I don't know what to say it's about Andy Reid, but I feel like they were very arrogant coming to this game, that they thought, you know, we've been rolling through every team in the league uh, basically for the last two years, and we're going to do the same against this Tampa Bay team. But, you know, well, clearly that wasn't the, the case. And maybe not even, like, coming into the game because, you know, stick to your guns going into it. But I think in the middle of the game, like, everybody saw what was happening to Pat Mahomes and – they stuck to their guns. They still had, they had him running bootlegs until the very end of that game, like design, get him out of the pocket and stuff like that. And so just quick passes, you know, like, like change up the offense a little bit and they could have done that at halftime. They could have implemented a little bit of that at halftime and they chose not to. So, yeah, I, I completely agree that. Yeah. A little, uh, a lot of it, I think needs to go on the coaching staff for not adjusting to a defense that was playing out of their mind and they were playing out of their minds coming into this game. So you should have had a fallback plan in case they came out the way that they came out. And I don't think, I don't think Kansas city was prepared. Yeah. Um, I agree with for sure. Uh, I saw a really good quote um, today actually from Antoine Winfield jr. He said that the, it just, they felt like the chiefs were extremely arrogant because um, like you said, all the pressure that they were getting, um, the coaches made no adjustments at all. The, like in regards to the protection, they just uh, didn't make any adjustments. So I think, you know, as a team, they just kind of felt like, you know, we're the Chiefs, we're going to score like we always do. There's going to be a point where, you know, we wake up and put up a lot of points like we saw last year in the Super Bowl. But this is, you know, a different case. And you can't always rely on your team to just, you know, flip a switch. You know, it doesn't always work like that, especially – in the NFL, when, when any team can lose on any given Sunday, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Ravens had an electrifying offense a couple of years ago, and they realized that they couldn't hang their hat um, in the playoffs on Lamar Jackson, you know? And people threw that all on Lamar Jackson when maybe you should have thrown it on somebody else. And then you got a, a guy he's compared to in, in Pat Mahomes uh, around his same age who's – you know, exceeding him and it's the same exact story. So I, I think it's just going to be a learning process for these young quarterbacks that they're young, they're, the electrifying atmosphere that they bring to the game is fantastic. But if you want to, if you want to be around for 20 years, if you want to be 43 years old playing for your seventh ring, you're going to have to, to learn to adapt and learn to, to, you know, play the game in all facets, you know, in all ways and stuff like that. So that's why I think again I'll I'll say it again I think Kansas City this is probably a good loss for them um I think if they win two straight <laughs> I mean that's obviously incredible and stuff like that but I think this changes um Andy Reid and this coaching staff and changes what they do moving forward in terms of like you said the run game and um just being able to hang their hat on different things uh, if they need to and being able yeah, to fall back like on different things I feel like in this league, you either adapt or you're going to lose. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you bring up the Ravens. Um, you know, they were, like, lighting the world on fire until they, they hit Tennessee. And, like, you know, even the case of my Rams, you know, we had this high-flying mm -hmm. offense, you know, setting records. Um, you know, McVay was hailed as the new offensive genius. And, you know, we hit a wall as well. So, 
like in this like the coaches and defenses are too good in the NFL where you can't just be doing the same thing over and over again uh, every single year because they're gonna you're gonna get figured out at some point and then it's gonna come to a crashing halt. So, and and I think at the end of the day, you just said it that uh, I think defense is a huge thing. Um, it's it's such a cliche saying about defense wins championships, but we see it over and over again, especially in the NFL that. Like if you can have a defense, like not only they always talk about the hottest team coming into the NFL playoffs and stuff like that, but look at the hottest defense coming in the NFL playoffs because that's that's a team to to really fear. Because I mean, I don't think anybody was looking at coming into this as I don't think anybody would have hung their hat on Tampa Bay being the best defense. Like I, I personally wasn't doing it. Like even going into the the matchup with Washington, we were talking more about Washington's defense and what they were going to do in that game. So a lot right. of people were were leaning towards even like the Colts at that time. So it, it, they definitely flew under the radar and they they came into the the playoffs hot and they just played out of their minds uh, in pretty much all of those matchups. So the the, the quarterbacks, right. they went through Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and uh, Pat Mahomes <laughs> to win that mm-hmm. that ring for a bunch of guys' first ring on that defense. So pretty, pretty cool uh, cool story. Yeah, and um, against Brees and Rodgers, it was on the road. So mm-hmm. just a, a very impressive uh, impressive run by the Bucks, and, you know, like you said, defense and championships, and you got to worry about that team who's just getting hot late when, um, you know, they got hot at the right time. I think the Super Bowl was their seventh win in a row. So, um, yeah, just a team catching on fire. Uh, let's talk about Brady for a bit before we uh, move on to the next thing. You know, it's oh, seventh great. championship. More talk about Brady. Seventh. <laughs> 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 what do you want? <laughs> no, dude, I, I'm the I, I'm the guy who's gonna like like bow down to this guy right now. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, so you know, what else can you say about this guy that hasn't been said? Um, <clears throat> seventh ring in the tenth appearance. Um, he it just feels like he just keeps getting it done no matter what. Um. And, you know, there's been talk about he was the greatest athlete of all time. You know, uh, I don't really care to have that conversation because, you know, we can go in a million different directions and, like, comparing across different sports and stuff. But I'm just going to appreciate, you know, watching this guy play at 43 years old. Um, and it seems like he really just has something figured out, you know. Um, but, yeah, Reese, just, just talk about Brady and just how he just keeps doing this every year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think – I think you said it best. He kind of just keeps figuring it out. Um, when it was when it was the dynasty with New England, you know, it was a lot of people like to hang their hat on Bill Belichick and you, you know some of the defenses that they're able to put around him. But it, you look at the gap between Super Bowls that this guy had. You know, he came into into the league super hot and won a few, and then had this giant gap or did he win two at the beginning and three later on? I, I should have I think it was three in the beginning. Yeah. I was going to say, I should have this all up in front of me, but um, it, I, I think the gap between Super Bowls and the injury in between, and here he is winning his seventh at 43. And it's like, none of us are doubting if he can do it again next year. It, it's just the, it's just the longevity of the career. That's just so fascinating that I think, has people so enamored with him right now, you know, like, again, I don't want to go down the road of like greatest athlete of all time, but when you are thinking of the 
four major American, uh, North American sports of, you know, football, basketball, hockey, and baseball. Um, and you look at those team sports and you look at those athletes, like you really do have to put, um, start to think about putting Tom Brady on like this Mount Rushmore of, um, American team sport athletes and just witnessing it happen and witnessing this, um, push at the end of his career is just uh it's really just something to behold um I don't think I can really say anything that hasn't been said about him already other than you know just appreciate it yeah um any thoughts on the on the boat parade that they had because that was a uh, pretty incredible stuff there <laughs> yeah that was <laughs> that was all around interesting I think um I think Roger Goodell will probably have a nice little talk with Tom Brady about throwing the Vince Lombardi trophy from one boat to the next. <laughs> Almost seeing that in the bottom of a uh, bottom of a river, or whatever the heck they were in. But um, I want to talk more about Tom Brady's $2 million boat. Cause that thing was <laughs> insane. And that thing's only like, I don't think, I, I think it said it was like a cruiser boat that like, can't even like, go over like 30 miles an hour or something right, so really okay this dude literally just bought it for the championship parade <laughs> just dropped a quick you know, two on a boat i don't really know anything about boats i'm not an expert or anything but when i did see it, i'm like that looks a little small for a two million dollar boat yeah the only thing i know about boats are the the classic saying or the best day of a boat owner's life are the day they buy the boat and the day they sell the boat so that just shows you like tom brady just didn't give a shit <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and he has he has fucky money, so yeah, um, oh yeah, it's that's pretty funny. I just I love just the scenes that we saw, you know, obviously Gronk being Gronk, and then you have Devin White riding a horse around. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. That was that was dope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I was so happy for him, and honestly, just to see um, because you know, seeing Tom Brady in that environment, and clearly seeing him throw the Lombardi Trophy, like he's been there before. Gronk's been there before, but um seeing a lot of the guys and, and even seeing the guys who've been there before, like seeing Tom Brady, like see Antoine Winfield for the first time and like that the little peace sign and stuff, like just seeing all those yeah. moments. I was like, this is like, it's just such a big moment for these guys. And I know pandemic and all, it was argued whether or not they should even have the parade. But I think for those players, at least just being able to be out there on the boats and stuff like that, I, I think that was a cool moment for them. Um, I think it was uh, it, it was different too, you know. That they were able to to do something different that I think was somewhat safe, and I think it created uh, a lot of memorable moments. So yeah, it's definitely a, a championship parade. I think everybody will remember for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I'm just happy for you know um, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, like even mm -hmm. AB, uh, Leonard Fournette, um, all these guys, like Bruce Arians too, like. Um, yep. He seems like you know such a player's coach. All the players love love to play for him. Seems like a, a, a great guy. So yeah, definitely happy for for all those guys. Like all these like just this cast of characters that Tampa Bay has. You know, just um, yep. it, it was really cool to see them them get a ring. And even and yeah, I was gonna say all the players and even Buck fan, the Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans who. This isn't um, the promised land that they're really used to seeing all the time. This is the the second one in franchise history after uh, 2003 with John Gruden. So this kind of puts them in a, a little bit of a separate tier that, you know, wasn't just a, a fluke type of thing. And um, I think it's cool for their fan base and uh, to see 
a franchise that isn't always um isn't always there you know it's not the Steelers or the Cowboys or the Patriots or any of these teams so I I think it's just cool all around yeah that's a good point um you know since 03 they've had like barely any success have have they even won a playoff game since 03 god I I don't know I wish I had that in front of me um because that was like that was a huge thing for Tampa Bay when they, when they landed Tom Brady, it was like, this wasn't just Tom. Oh my God. You know, Tom Brady signing with a new team. It was like, he's signing with a team that isn't really used to this, uh, this star power, you know, outside of that 2003, that, you know, that the John Lynch, Warren Sapp and, and the old John Gruden. And that was still on their defense. Yeah. Exactly. And that, that team is absolutely built on just hard nosed defense. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, outside of that era of Tampa Bay, you probably couldn't name a whole lot of box players uh, who went through there, except for freaking Jameis Winston. So, um, yeah, I, I just think it was cool for that franchise all around. Um, yeah. So let's uh, talk a little bit about next year. Like, you know, <clears throat> the Chiefs, we can assume they'll be back, right? Um, they're going to, I'm assuming they're going to bring back all the, the big pieces. I'll probably just throw up the defense a little bit more. Um, you know, maybe they'll have Damian Williams back in the run game. Uh, he's splitting more carries with Clyde. I, I, I would assume that, you know, he's going to be back after this, uh, you know, this offseason because he, he was out for COVID reasons. Um, but yeah, in regards to Tampa Bay, um, there's no reason why they can't be back, like, to at least the NFC title game, right? You know, the NFC seems pretty wide open. Like, you know, you have good teams like the Packers um, and the Saints. Uh, we'll see what Drew Brees' situation is. But, I like, it's not like, it, you know, it's loaded or anything where Tampa Bay's going to struggle. I think they could definitely be back. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, any team that's uh, – it's kind of the Tom Brady factor at this point. Like we said, we've mentioned a lot of players that came to Tampa Bay uh, after Tom Brady signed, um, who came there to win a Super Bowl. I think a lot of guys' names are popping up right now in free agency, like uh, J.J. Watt, you know, just became available. And one of the first names that came up was Tampa Bay, just to go uh, kind of like ring hunting type of thing. So, yeah, we're going to see a lot of names pop up uh, around Tampa Bay that even if they lose pieces here and there, they're going to they're going to build around that defense. They're going to put weapons around Tom Brady. And yeah, I wouldn't doubt them being a favorite um, in the NFC next year at all. Um, I think if anything, uh, if possible, although it'll be a little bit more low key, I think the uh, off season for the chiefs will be a little bit more interesting um, because of all the things that we've mentioned already. Um are they going to do something with their run game? Are they just are they going to be satisfied with Damian Williams or and and Clyde Edwards or Lair? Are they going to try to try to shake something up there? And I think they have a little bit of is it McCall Hardman or uh, I'm sorry Sammy Watkins that is leaving. So they could potentially need a, a little bit of a if they don't trust McCall Hardman, they could potentially need a second wide receiver coming up. Uh, next year and um so maybe in free agency and or um the draft and then as well as their offensive line i think they have a couple guys who are coming into the situation uh into contract years so um 
I think it, it'll be a little bit more low key, but I think it'd be interesting to see what the chiefs do. Um, because I think the, you know, wherever Tom Brady is, there'll always be a spot. So, you know, th- there'll always be a, a landing destination for anyone who's looking to win. Yeah. Um, yeah. The chiefs was just a, Chiefs receiver situation is a good call because assuming uh, Watkins leaves, you know, the their only receivers they have left are Tyreek, uh, Demarcus Robinson, Hardman, and Pringle. So that's not exactly uh, a murderer's row. Um, yeah. Like regards to the receiving card because you just have Tyreek you have to worry about. Um, because, I mean, Demarcus Robinson, Hardman, and Pringle, they haven't really shown that they can be like number two guys. So, yeah, I'd be really curious to see uh, – uh, what receiver they bring in? Um, Allen Robinson's a free agent, so that would be that'd be a little scary if he went to the Kansas City, um, had Mahomes throwing the ball. But yeah, really interesting. Maybe they'll draft a receiver. Who knows? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a super deep wide receiver class. So if you're if you're in the market for a wide receiver, you're definitely um, in the right off season for one. So uh, super deep. Uh, uh, class in terms of rookies and yeah there's going to be a few guys out there a few good steals that you could uh put it, put in a good offense and they can exceed so um so we're gonna take a little break before we get to the next segment just a funny reminder that you can follow us uh on all of our social media pages dj sports pod and on instagram twitter facebook youtube um, reach us for any questions, uh, sportspod at gmail.com, and we'll answer on the show. And now back to the episode. So we had a pretty big blockbuster trade uh, a couple weeks ago. Matthew Stafford will be a Los Angeles Ram next year. Um, he left Detroit after, you know, so many years there, and the Rams are sending Jared Goff uh, along with two first-round picks and a third-round pick. Um you know, a huge deal for both teams, um, end of an era for Detroit and a new start for the Rams at a quarterback position. Um, as a Rams fan, you know, I have so much to say, but Reese, uh, just, you know, when you saw this and w- what this means, like, what's the first thing that comes to your head? I mean, this was huge. This is, uh, in my memory as a NFL fan, as a football fan, I, I don't, I don't remember a trade, you know, between uh, this is something that happens in the NBA and, and in other sports and stuff. This isn't an NFL thing. They're normally, you know, you normally look at free agency <laughs> when you, when you want to look for something exciting happening in the off season here. So this was uh, I think this is awesome for the league um, for the individual teams. I think <laughs> we'll, we'll probably get into that. I think it, it originally, some people's reaction was that potentially the Rams might've given up too much for uh, Matthew Stafford, who is uh, not only on the back end of his career, but is also uh, pretty expensive. They're inheriting um, two years and $43 million uh, remaining on Stafford's contract. So um, they are offloading a lot with um jared goff and it's good to get that contract off their books but um i don't know if i want to be the first one who speaks on the individual aspect of the teams i'll let you get into the rams first (laughs) (laughs) um so as a rams fan you know the the big thing that 
we've always had to face um, last couple of years is, you know, yeah, you guys have a good team, but what about golf? You know, is golf going to show up? That's like, you know, people around me, you know, Bobby, my own brother, just like saying like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, the Rams, Rams have good players, Aaron Donald, but what about golf? You know, that's, that's always been the big question mark. Like, yeah. and just speaking to people um, who watch football is like, you know, they just had, it just seemed like, you know, they had no faith in him um, just as neutral football fans. Like, was he going to be able to get it done? Like, it just felt like the people assumed that the Rams were winning in spite of golf, not because of him. Now, obviously as a Rams fan, um, I like Jared Goff a lot more than um, most people do for obvious reasons. You know, um, I, I do think that he can have a future in Detroit. Absolutely. As long as they, you know, have the right pieces around him. He already has uh, good receivers. Um, you know, we'll see how the O-line does, but I think he can definitely be successful. Um, and they're in this transition phase where sure. He might not be the answer um, to, you know, your Super Bowl hopes, uh, but he can definitely be like a good, like just a, a good stopping gap for now until like you find your franchise quarterback in the future. Yeah. Um, he can absolutely do that. You know, he's a veteran, uh, been to the Super Bowl, and you know, in the playoffs against the Packers, you know, he just came off a broken thumb, and I thought he played great. You know, he had a, yeah. he actually had a, re- a really good game in Lambeau. So, you know, don't I, I think people shouldn't you know be so quick to disparage him. I'm really grateful for the time that he had here, but I think it was just time for us to move on. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Matthew Stafford play for us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was almost the case of, of both teams. Um, I think if you're a Lions fan, I, I don't know. I, I think Rams fans are happier in this situation, but that's easy to say because Rams are a better football team this offseason than the Lions are. And and that was before this trade happened. I think you can you can make easily make that argument. So um I think coming off of this trade, um I think Rams fans should be happier. And yeah, like you said, I, I think this answers the one question that um was always you know surrounding this team and stuff like that. And you know, you, you have Sean McVay, the quarterback whisperer, the, the guy who was able to do incredible things with Jared Goff, who has turned into the scapegoat and stuff. So um, I think this is going to be a really good thing for the Rams moving forward. I think this makes them contenders uh, in the NFC more, way more than they were with Goff. Um, but switching the focus a little bit for the Lions, I actually think this could be pretty damn good for them um the, i don't think they were going anywhere with stafford you know that was always just going to be like a dead franchise there and um i mean until this front office really wants to spend money and you know really go for it they're, they're not going to have success that the fans want and they're going to be this franchise that we always look at it as kind of laughable and stuff um but I, I think like you said with Jared Goff there and if they have the right pieces there this is a team that like I, I'm sorry they can actually like I've never hated the Lions the way that other people do so and I've never hated Jared Goff the way that other people do um 
So I think in the right situation that this team can absolutely survive, but truthfully, this first year is probably going to be a pretty rough one until they figure things out. Right. And, you know, um, it's about the draft picks. Like you have all these draft picks. Can you capitalize on them? Can you, you know, make your team better and build it with that, you know, on the Phillips side for the Rams, um, you know, we've seen in recent history that uh, the Rams don't really care about draft picks. You know, uh, we've been trading away draft picks ever since McVay came because we've focused on winning now, you know, not later. And if the team is supposed to be as good as we want it to be, these draft picks should be at the end of the draft uh, anyway. So they're technically less valued than, I guess, you know, another team would have them. So that's another reason why um, I was all in for this trade, basically. Um, I thought, you know, we're, we're one piece away, you know, and that's at the most important position. Um, we had a pretty good season, uh, all things considered. And, you know, you have the rest of the league basically saying, like, you know, if, oh, if it wasn't for golf, you know, the Rams would be a real problem. So, I mean, now let's see if there's some truth to that. <laughs> Yeah, the the biggest, um, I guess the biggest person that I'm worried about here is Jared Goff himself, because we've seen, I mean, this is a guy who who played his college football uh, up at Cal, and then he goes down to LA, and he and he's living pretty good there for a little bit. He goes to a Super Bowl. He's uh, he's on one of the hottest offenses in the NFL, and he's got Todd Gurley behind him and a great offensive line and things are looking good for him. And then all of a sudden he's traded to Detroit, Michigan, where it's freaking nine degrees and snowing right now or whatever the hell it is, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not an easy move. We've seen, I mean, just on the television today, I was watching, you know, a whole lot of talk about Blake Griffin and, and, and him being on the trade market. And like, that's a guy who went from LA to uh, to Detroit who really lost his spark because the enthusiasm in the game wasn't there. And um, I guess that's my biggest worry for Jared Goff is I think I always defended this guy. I, I was always saying that, I mean, you know, shit, he, he played in a Super Bowl. you know, he did what he had to do to get to a Super Bowl. And I think that's all you got to do as a quarterback sometimes. So um I, I think a move for him right now, it, it's it's going to be a true testament of, um, of whether or not he's going to survive in this league. So that, that's going to be uh, interesting to watch. And especially for, like we said, a franchise who who knows what they're going to do, but they do have a lot of draft picks. So um, I, I'm just wishing all the best for Jared Goff, I guess, is all I want to say on the record. <laughs> The, the, the only same loser in, in, in this trade. <laughs> yeah, same here. Um, let's get to more quarterback news. We had Russell Wilson go on the Dan Patrick show and um, basically talk about, I don't want to say he was upset, but he just talked about, he voiced some concerns that he had um, regarding the O-line and just the team as a whole. You know, he talked about how he's been sacked 400 times um, and how he wants more, more say in the organization and its decisions. Um, you know, it's kind of – we saw this in the Sean trade, which we're going to get to in a little bit, but, Reese, doesn't it kind of feel like these NFL players, especially the quarterbacks, uh, because they know they have 
the most power are kind of taking some uh, some uh, notice from the NBA NBA players and taking like the power more into their hands. Oh, absolutely, and and they should because um, I mean, if it's going to start anywhere in the NFL, it's going to start with the quarterback position because everybody knows that that's the most important position in the game and potentially one of the most important positions in sports. So um, I think it's good on all of these guys to, in certain situations, say like, look, if you're going to, if you want to build a team around me and if you want to win championships, then I need to at least, you know, feel like I'm respected. Like should Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson be walking in and saying, Hey, trade this guy or, you know, go out and sign this free agent. No, but if you're looking into a huge dynamic trade or you're looking into a free agent or you're looking into something that, that could um, affect the organization, you know, in the headlines and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I think it would be really cool to, bring a guy like Russell Wilson who has earned that respect into the room and say, Hey, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about this decision? And just, just weigh his opinion on it, you know, just make sure he he's heard and stuff. And I think um, that also opens up a dangerous game because they, they kind of did that with Deshaun Watson and he was a little bit disrespected, you know? And I think that's why a guy like Russell Wilson should be speaking up because he's in a classy organization where he can really change the game for, for other guys like, um, like a Deshaun Watson or, or, or like Lamar Jackson in, in a, in a Ravens organization, you know, these are guys who can really have more of a say in decisions and should they have the say? No, but I, I think that if you're going to build a team around them and if you want to win around them, that yeah, they, their, their opinion should be heard the same way that a LeBron James is heard in the Lakers free agency, or, a, you know, a, a Damian Lillard is potentially heard by the Portland Trailblazers organization, you know, like these are players that are actually heard in another sport. So uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's important that the NFL gets this, this voice. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is a very pro player pod. Um, so, yeah, in Russ's, Russ's situation, like, he's in the prime of his career. Um, you know, they've had some a lot of disappointing uh, exits uh, recent history. You know, they, they made back-to-back Super Bowls in 13 and 14 and have, haven't been back since, you know, seven years. Like, um, you know, when we talk about the Seahawks back then, you're like, oh, with Russell Wilson, um, you know, I'm sure he's going to be have multiple appearances, multiple Super Bowls. That's what it was projected like, right? But – you know, as we know, in the NFL, things change quickly and your window can be shut right away. Um, you know, is it solely on the organization that they haven't been, you know, winning as much? That's, you know, to be determined. But as of right now, you know, you have Metcalf, Lockett. The offensive line, though, um, it's always been an issue in Seattle. You know, it, it's, it's definitely better than it was in previous years. Um in previous seasons, I feel like it was just rust scrambling the entire time, but mm-hmm. they definitely shorted up. Um, but yeah, they have some issues. As, if you were like the Seahawks, a GM right now, um, how would you handle the situation? Well, I mean, you you protect Russell at all costs. You know, you do whatever you can to to keep this guy around because <clears throat> I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think I think Russell Wilson is still has the potential to be 
this quarterback that we talk about for really, you know, for a really long time. He, you know, he has potential to make it into the Hall of Fame because of, as you mentioned, he started off his his, um, his career pretty hot, uh, going to back to back Super Bowls at such a young age, um, and winning one at such a young age. So, um, I, I think this guy uh, in this league, he, he's got the skill set to be an improviser and to be a game manager and, and to, to throw the deep ball when you need to throw it and to also throw the underneath ball and to also say, you know what, let's trust the run game. Let's trust the defense. Like he, he's done all of that and in his career already at such a young age. So I think this is a guy that you say, you know what, Russell, you, you want to be heard, then come sit down. Let's have a six hour meeting. And you tell me everything you want to do with this organization. Because, like, truthfully, those kind of things between GM and quarterback could – and seriously, and having head coach there too, you know, could could really propel the Seahawks. Because I think um, I think they came out um, and they were the team to chase in the NFL for a little bit. And the rest of the division really caught up to them. And here they are. And, you know, you got the Cardinals who – are a little bit trying to replicate what you did in, in Seattle. You got the Rams who are a team to fear who have been to the Super Bowl more recently. And then same with the 49ers. So it, it's, it, it's almost a little bit getting a little bit scary for the Seahawks that if you don't protect Russell at all costs, and if you don't go all in on him, then, and surrounding a team around him, then they could get uh, lost in, in this division and in this league. Yeah, I mean, if they have another, like, playoff early playoff exit, you know, we might – like, right now he's upset, but I don't think he's going to go anywhere, um, at least not this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling up his contract right now. But if you're the Seahawks – He's, he's going to play for the Seahawks next year. I want to make that clear. Like, I don't think he's – I don't think there's going to be some Russell Wilson playing for any other team this year. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, so – He's he's a free agent in 2024, making 19 mil the next two years, and then 23, 22 million dollars. Um, sorry, 19 mil this year, 24 mil, then 27 million dollars, which is a pretty team friendly deal, I would mm-hmm. say for Russell Wilson. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, if you're the Seahawks, you you basically have to do whatever you can to make him happy because, you know, this. This Seahawks team, I mean, before he came, you know, they were basically a middling team. You know, they would make, maybe make the playoffs uh, a couple of years. They had a couple of good years of Matt Hasselbeck, made the Super Bowl. But, I mean, with Russell Wilson, they've been consistently been one of the best teams in the NFC. Um, it, but, it, you know, if he leaves, they're just going to go back to mediocrity. Like, I hate to say it, but mm-hmm. I, I, well, I mean, when you have someone like him. You don't want to fall into – I feel like Seattle doesn't want to fall into, like, this Green Bay situation where, for years, Green Bay has been like the Aaron Rodgers show, and they've put a mediocre team out on the field. But because they have Aaron Rodgers, we're like, oh, hey, you know, Super Bowl favorites. Like, you know, like, where are they going to be come postseason? And it, it's – it's almost like Seattle's coming into the same situation where Russell Wilson's going to be the only reason we still consider them a favorite ever. And that's not the team you want to be. If you really want to compete and you really want to win, then 
you got to put a team around these guys. You got to put a defense on the field, and you got to put some uh, some some playmakers out on the field and or on the offense. And I think right now they have you know with DK Metcalf and and Tyler Lockett, they have players around, and even Chris Carson, they have players around Russell Wilson to succeed. They just need to to commit on both sides of the ball and really take advantage. I just wonder if they look around at the rest of the NFC West and they wonder if they're better off just kind of like holding off investment and stuff because it, it is a young quarterback league and it is a young, I mean, an up and coming league uh, in terms of um, stature in the NFL and stuff like that. So I, I think it's, it's just interesting to see what, what this team does in the off season, whether or not they commit or whether or not they just, they're happy to, you know, be the Russell Wilson show. Yeah. So another quarterback that not only does he want more control, he wants out of his team <laughs> is D- Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, this is a saga that's been going on for quite a while now. Um, you know, we, we know the story where he wanted more control. The, the team said they would. Then they never consulted him in regards to hiring the GM um, and the coach. And then you hear Jack Easterby, who – you know, has very minimal experience. Um, and it seems like everyone in the NFL is kind of like, you know, doesn't like this guy or, or he's rubbed everyone the wrong way. Um, and there's just more questions about why, why is he in the league? Why is he, you know, running this organization? Uh, but yeah, it just seems like a big mess and only a matter of time before Deshaun leaves. Um, but yeah, Reese, when you see this situation, what's the, what do you, comes to your head? Um, it, it it's ugly all around, truthfully, because um, and I'll try to waste a little bit of time while you pull this up uh, about the rise of Jack Easterby, because just the players that have left since his rise in Houston, and really just how he came to that job as a GM has been a, a lot of speculation. But um, I think this whole situation in Houston is kind of just ugly because, like you said, I, th- I think we're a player uh, player friendly podcast where, like, you know, if you're going to own a sports team and and you want to, you know, be a general manager of a sports team, then at the end of the day, like, you have to be in the business of winning because winning is profit at the end of the day. So no matter what you're there for at the end of the day, it all comes down to winning. And I I get not wanting to sell out, you know, like full on sell out the way some teams do in in bigger markets, but the Houston Texans and the situation that they are with Deshaun Watson, um, you know, they, they, they have, they struck a gold nugget, you know, they struck a little bit of a gold mine here with Deshaun Watson and they've completely blown it up. And um, it's only at the fault of their own. They had they had a good DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Hopkins around him. They had JJ Watt and Jadavion Clowney on the defense. They had players around Deshaun Watson to succeed. They just had to buy in, and they never chose to. So um, 
I think everything that's uh, negative about Deshaun Watson, you just need to take a step back and be like, yo, well, you just need to see how this guy's been treated in this situation and see the organization that he's been drafted into. And um, yeah, I, I just think it's all ugly for, for Houston Texans, um, the organization in general. And I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to play another game for him. Yeah, I mean, we talked about um, Russ, Matt Stafford, Jerry Goff. Like, Deshaun's like 26 years old, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's arguably a top five quarterback in the league. Um, you know, has so much great football ahead of him. He's 25 years old. Has so much great football five. ahead of him. Wait, he's 25? Is he going to be 26 by the start of next year, though? Yeah, yeah. He'll okay, be, I was going to September 14th. Okay, I was gonna say I was hearing a lot of twenty six talk, so he'd be twenty six next season. Um, yeah, I mean this dude is a you know top five quarterback in the league in my opinion. Um, even with all the you know the nonsense around him this season, he still had an incredible year. You know, um, throwing the ball to what would be like you know wide receiver twos and threes on most leagues, um, and like you, the talent like is undeniable. And the Texans, like, you know, I mentioned the Seahawks being a franchise that's middling, um, you know, before Russ came, you know, Texans are even worse. They were mm-hmm. an expansion franchise, you know, they ha- barely won any playoff games. Um, so, yeah, this man- mismanagement of Deshaun Watson, should he leave, which I think we all assume he's, gonna, he's going to, will be one of the biggest blunders I think we've seen. And that's about our franchise that traded away one of the best receivers in the NFL for basically nothing. So, um, yeah, not looking good if you're a Texans fan. And, you know, I wish I could be less brutal, but that's just what the truth is. Like, it just looks like they're shaping up to be a, a mediocre franchise for years from now. No, yeah, I, I agree. My my uncle is um, is a Texans fan, and I love him, and I love his support for them. But I don't even think he really knows what's about to hit him. You know, he's a, he's a casual sports fan, and I don't think he knows what's about to smack him in the face with this franchise. Because I think Tua will probably be. I think everybody's saying that Tua is going to be starting for them next year and those guys know a hell of a lot more than you and I do. So I'm going to trust them and say that that'll probably be happening. And yeah, like you said, I, I just think it's mediocrity from here on out. I don't think they're going to get a better team than what they could have had with DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson, JJ Watt, Jadavion Clowney, and so many other uh, role players that, that really could have been, um, crucial to I mean that that's not that's not a division that's very hard to win in either in in the AFC South um especially right now with the Jaguars Colts it's just it's just all ugly right now in the AFC South so I'm yeah it sucks for the Texans because this is a franchise that we watch you know we, we were we watched them grow up and <laughs> you watch them born grow up and develop into this shit show so it, it kind of sucks so but all, all the best to watson moving forward I, i'm excited to see where he goes and where he's able to compete moving forward do you have any uh like guesses where he's gonna land yeah um i do actually i, I made like a list of top three um Ooh, with, let's hear it best. let's hear it best uh best situations for Deshaun so number three 
Uh, you touched on it. I think Miami, um, you know, we saw them be a fringe playoff team this year, almost in the playoffs. I, I really like Brian Flores, their coach. Um, the defense is really good. Uh, they have Devontae Parker. And, you know, we saw Tua and F- Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, switch off. But I think, you know, you had a player like Deshaun Watson in there. He can definitely take them to the next step. I think they're automatic playoff contenders uh, and even maybe division contenders in that in that uh, conference. Um, Deshaun, and, J- Deshaun and Josh Allen in the same conference for a little bit would be a lot of fun. Yeah. That would be one of those fun little uh, conference battles for the next like few years. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, number two, the Indianapolis Colts. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this might be a little tougher because I, you know, why would the Texans trade to a division rival? But, you know, who knows with that team? Um, you know, the Colts, I, it, Phil Rivers had a, a really good season, but, you know, like I said, a player like Deshaun takes them to the next level. We saw them make the playoffs um, and, you know, give the Bills a really good game. They have an excellent defense. You have uh, T.Y. Hilton, who, who's still a consistent receiver. Michael Pittman, you know, he, he showed out last year, showed he could be – um, you know, a great option in the NFL um, at the receiving position. You have a good running game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor broke out towards the end of the year. Um, yeah, I think he would be a really good fit in Indianapolis and just take that. That team would be dangerous in the AFC. Yeah, no, that that, that would be crazy. I just – just always the in-division trade. I just – I think we're in a new age in the NFL where we don't really know if – teams are willing to trade in the division you know like I think you would automatically say no because of what that means for your playoff chances and stuff but at at the end of the day you really don't know and with the Houston Texans I think you just really don't know so yeah I I think that's an interesting one I'm glad you mentioned them yeah what's your number one so my number one is uh, honestly something I wish doesn't happen but is the San Francisco 49ers yeah, <laughs> because I, I don't I do that. not want to see I do not want to see Deshaun in the in our division um all they already have a really good defense have so much talent uh on the offense with Kittle Debo Samuel um I'm missing the other guy who had a really good year the receiver not Kendrick Bourne um Ayuk Brandon Ayuk um, yeah he he's he's really good too you have you know Jake McKinnon in the backfield Jeff Wilson, and you have one of the better coaches in the league too, at Kyle Shanahan. You know, mm-hmm. even with all the injuries that they had this year, the Niners were pretty competitive. You know, so yeah, Deshaun would just—I think they would be uh, NFC not favorites, but contenders for sure if they, he went there. In my opinion. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think you're right to, as a Rams fan, be a little bit afraid of that. And yeah, you, you know, Niners and Dolphins are probably my two favorites to land him because of um dolphins because of the whole Tua thing and and draft picks and stuff i think they have the most to give up and niners have the most uh cap space of all those teams that you mentioned um yeah i i think all around that's scary personally as a football fan i kind of want to see him in san francisco um, I think that would send Jimmy Garoppolo to New England pretty quickly, which would just, I don't know, I just feel like it kind of opens up the league. Um, I, I, I'm not sold on, 
I don't know what Tua is at the end of the day, but I think that the Dolphins organization, whether it was to create draft stock for him or because they really believe in Tua, I think they they like him there. So I'm not sure that they're going to give up Tua the way that everybody else is saying that they are. Um, Although Deshaun Watson is is definitely an upgrade, uh, no matter which way you work at it, look at it. So... Yeah, I think that was a pretty good list. I'm glad you came up with like clear cut teams. Yeah, th- those are just the three I felt, you know. Um what what do you think what do you think about the talk of like Washington football team and just like their whole quarterback situation? Because they just signed like Taylor Heineke. That's like for a lot of people, that signing to re-sign him was like more of like, hey, like they're looking for a quarterback battle this year. Like whoever's going to be the second quarterback here is going to be a guy that can compete with him. So uh, I'm interested to see what goes on there just because they have such a good defense and they're in a division that's really up for grabs right now. Yeah. I mean, Washington would be really interesting. Um, I would like to see him go there for sure because, Mm -hmm. you know, I I like Ron Rivera and you, you have Terry McLaurin who's, you know, shown to be an excellent receiver. Yeah. Uh, excellent weapon you know for any quarterback so yeah like just having Deshaun you know lifts up like like you said the division is wide open I think they would be favorites for sure if if Deshaun went there Um, he's that good and you know you have Chase Young and that nasty defense so Mm -hmm. I would I would like to see Washington for sure yeah yeah it it would just the only way Washington gets in there the only way like I mean, even a team like Chicago, I think they were a big one mentioned for a lot of people. And I think the only way these right, teams yeah. get in there are like multiple team trades, which uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. At the end of the day, I don't know how this deal gets done. I just I just don't think that relationship between um, Deshaun and Houston is, is salvageable. So, Yeah, I agree. Um, I would be very surprised if he – play for the Houston Texans at the mm-hmm. beginning of next year um, because it seems like bridges are burned. You know, there was a point where I think he wasn't answering any calls or something. So, you know, we'll see. I'm really curious to see where he goes. Um, really hoping it's not the Niners, but it should be interesting nonetheless. Yeah, I, I think just the whole QB carousel, this uh, offseason will make for one of the more interesting offseasons that we've seen. Uh, for football mm-hmm. so uh, i'm definitely excited for that hopefully we can bring another pod soon with that so yeah uh, any hopes in uh bronco country for deshaun uh you know what not really i think that they were mentioned just because we're a team that's looking for a franchise quarterback but um i mean you know me i've kind of always been a guy who believed in drew lock a little bit and i think uh whatever we would have to give up for Deshaun watson right now would probably just not really be worth it and that's why we're not really mentioned right now so i think the broncos are probably going to move forward with um drew lock if anything they'll make some moves um in the trade uh, or uh, i'm sorry in the draft and trading up uh getting up uh, into like the top 10 to try to draft uh one of these four quarterbacks that they like so just a matter of the draft process and kind of going through that and just hearing more about that. Cause I, I don't know where they stand, but I know they like Drew Locke. 
inside the organization. So, yeah, no, I mean, we'll see. We still have a lot. We're just getting started in the NFL offseason. Mm-hmm. You know, it's February and we have yep. still the draft uh, months away and then training camp, which is in summer. So, a lot to yep. get to. And uh, we'll definitely be on top of all the news. Yeah, thanks. Uh, honestly, it was, uh, I think football is always, for me personally, probably one of my favorite sports to, to cover on the podcast. So it was a good season and I'm excited to get back after it next year. So, Yeah, it was a really good season, um, even with all the COVID issues and whatnot. Hopefully next season we'll get back to more normalcy, get more fans in the stadium um, and things like that. But yeah. Um, you know, thanks again, Reese. Appreciate being on the show and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for having me.